This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. This week's sermon is by Bishop Stuart Ruck. 27 years ago, I had the opportunity to visit my then fiance, now wife's family in Brazil where she grew up. There were many things that I found compelling about her family there. But one of the things that struck me the most and continues to move me about her family is the way in which they, when they were together, they would tell one God story after another. And by God story, I simply mean a story that can be told in which unless God was all powerful, unless God was deeply personal, unless God is the provider for our lives and all we truly need, the story could never be told. They would tell this story and that story. They would share how 50 years ago, they arrived on a boat with two young children in Brazil, not speaking one word of Portuguese, not knowing anyone in the country, and yet, miraculously, supernaturally, finding their way to a Canadian family upon whose door they knocked, who took them in for that night, fed them dinner, and became some of their closest friends over the course of those years. They would tell stories where there was nothing, the food not needed, the clothing not needed, and God provided. And as I listened to these stories and I cataloged them in my own heart, I realized I have so few, and I want God's stories. I resolved then, I want to have a story full of stories like theirs. I want stories that when I tell that story, the only way that story would make sense The only way that story can come to a conclusion is because God is powerful, because the Lord is God and there is no other. But I had to learn something. That to be given a God story, you must join God's story. To have a testimony of the power of God You must be invited into, and he invites all. You must enter into, you must obey the story of God himself. You want a God story, enter into God's story. The story of Jesus the King, the Redeemer King, the Creator King, the King of the cross, the King of glory, the King who rose from the dead. I hope you want a God story. There are a few things I want more for you as your pastor than a life marked by God's story after God's story because you have joined into his story. That's Holy Week. Holy Week is the living of the story of God the King. That's where we're going. That's what we're joining. And oh, many of you, hundreds of you, as you do that, as you submit to him, even this week, we'll have one story after another. That were not for the power of God, that story would make no sense. The testimony from Isaiah, this is the prophecy. It's written poetically in Isaiah 45. And turn there in your bulletin. We're going we're to look at this part of scripture given to us. The testimony of Isaiah here is the testimony of the story of God. The theme of this story is given to us very explicitly there in verse 18. I am the Lord. There is no other. That's the heart of the story of God. 
to come into the story of God. We start by hearing God speak primarily, profoundly, in his word. Verses 18 and 19, we hear God speak and are invited into the story of God. Verses 20 to 23, for those who hear God speak, they have a decision to make. Will they give this God their worship? Do you know that you have worship to give? That's, probably, that's one of the most defining attributes of who you are as a created person, is that you have worship to give. You have yourself to give. You've been given a body by which you can worship the living God. Oh, who will you worship? Will you, will you worship the God of Israel, the God of Jesus, the God who has shown himself clearly to us on the cross and the resurrection? Or, as this passage will ask you, will you be beguiled? Will you be deceived and actually find yourself in an allegiance to another God? Hear God speak, verses 18 to 19. Give God your worship, verses 20 to 23. 18 and 19. God says, I have told you who I am clearly. Verse 19, I have not spoken in secret. I have not spoken in a land of darkness. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I, who am God, will declare who God is. God declares who God is. This is part of his kingship. This is the reality of his reign. God will tell God's story. We have a section of it here, but we have it page after page. In the gift of the scriptures, I am asking the Lord. I am very aware as I talk about the scriptures, as I talk about God's story given to us, God's story written, which is the Bible. There are some of you who have a very hard time reading your Bible. There are many of you, you're not reading your Bible. You hear it read here. You may even listen to podcasts where you're hearing it taught, but you're not reading your Bible. You're, you're not in a relationship with your Bible. And I am asking God this week that you'll begin a relationship with the Word of God, with the Scriptures, or you will maintain or you will have revived a relationship with the Word of God. Quick, here God speaks. In this specific story, this Isaiah story, this was written about 2,300 years ago. It is a very ancient document. That's not helpful for you because you have it in your bulletin and it looks like it was printed five days ago. But it's ancient. The fact that it is that old and yet speaks so piercingly to our lives now is in itself a testimony that God speaks. God has spoken. God speaks. God will always be speaking. His word is eternal. 2,300-year-old piece of ancient writing we have in front of us. So he's writing, Isaiah's writing in a time where he's in the southern kingdom. At this point, Israel's in two kingdoms, the south and the north. He's in the southern kingdom, and he is writing, can okay, follow me here, about something that's still to come in the future. So what you're reading about that he's talking about is actually an event that is 100 to 140 years still to come. It would be like somebody in the Civil War in our country writing about, with detail, using names, the Trump administration, and hitting every detail just right. He is prophesying about that which is to come, and we know now, because we're 2,300 years removed from that, that every detail is right. Everything was accurate. The Word of God has that kind of power. The Word of God has that kind of energy, that kind of dynamism, that kind of ability to speak in and through and outside of time. 
He prophesies to the southern kingdom, you are going to lose your home. They have not lost their home yet. You are going to lose your home. You're going to lose Jerusalem. A remnant of you have been faithful, but many of you have been unfaithful. And Babylon will come in and tear down the temple. This will happen, he says. But he says, after years of exile, 70 years where you'll be exiled in Babylon, you'll be freed by another king, not a Babylonian, but a Persian named Cyrus. He names him before the man's even been born. And Cyrus will come in and he will release you back to Jerusalem. And he will destroy Babylon. But as I love Israel, God says, so I love the Babylonians. And there will be a Babylonian remnant, he says, survivors of the nations who themselves will now have a chance to hear my word and know who I am. So here we see that God is speaking four different times, verses 18 and 19. Thus says the Lord, I am the Lord. I do not speak in secret. Four different times he speaks of speaking. He speaks of his word. I've talked about Holy Week as Revival Week, and that's exactly right. It's a Revival Week, but let's be really clear. Holy Week is also Bible Week, amen? You will hear, if you stay with us the entire time, 15 sermons. You will hear 40 pieces of scripture read, performed, ministered to us in various ways. You will hear God speak in and through the power of his word. God will declare himself, I am the Lord and there is no other. I have created the heavens, verse 18. I have formed earth and I have made it a home for you. I am magnificent and I am deeply personal. I've made it a habitation. You see the word there, a home. That is who I am. And I invite you in. Look at verse 22. Turn to me and be saved. I am king. There is no subject I do not cherish. There is no name I do not know. Turn to me and be saved. God calls a council then. He calls a worship council. He calls a kind of world council of worship. Look at verse 20. Assemble yourselves. This is kind of an image. I'm bringing everyone together. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. I will draw Israel. I will draw the nations into this world council of worship. And he says in verse 21, declare and present your case. It's kind of the image of a king in his court, a king in council. Now declare your case. Am I the Lord God? And is there no other? Or might you actually worship other gods? And we see God bringing forward those who have beguiled and enchanted. They're called idols. Wooden idols, verse 20, they have no knowledge. You keep on praying to them, and yet they cannot save you. God is saying, I have spoken. I've spoken clearly. I've not spoken in the darkness. To whom will you give your worship? You have worship to give. Now the court is moved to the personal. To whom will you give your worship? And he exposes the false gods for exactly what they are. They lie. 
They promise you things and security and safety and excitement and relief from the great challenges and veil of tears that this world is. They promise you all those things. But God says they can't even speak. They can't even save. They're lying to you. The very story here in Isaiah speaks of the power of false gods to deceive. Oh, northern kingdom, you thought you were safe until Assyria rolled in and destroyed you. Oh, southern kingdom, you thought you were safe until Babylon rolled in and destroyed you. Oh, Babylon, you thought you were safe until Persia rolled in and destroyed you. Oh, Persia, you thought you were safe until Alexander the Great crushed you under his heel. We're not safe. We're not safe under any false god. It's only a matter of time. If you're given your allegiance to the power of influence, the power of finances, the power of relationship, if you've given up, it's only a matter of time before the enemy will roll in and crush you. To whom? To whom the Bible asks us, the counsel of God asks us, will we give our worship? Because there, in the worship of the living God, God says you're secure. You're free from darkness and the power of the demonic false gods. For I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And there is no other. If you'll start living with that truth, if you'll live as if it's the Lord and there's no other, that will catalyze God stories in your life. Uh, to be clear, you'll, you'll find yourself in places of exile. You may be waiting 70 years to return to Jerusalem, so to speak. But if you'll put yourself in that place of depending on the power of God alone, that will catalyze, that will trigger God's stories in your life, whereas you wait on God and he will provide. You will not be ashamed. You will not be disappointed. You will be given on the other side of that provision, on the other side of that power manifestation of God, on the other side of that delicate and gentle expression of the Father's love for you. On the other side of that, you will be given a God story, a story that will only make sense because Jesus died and rose again. Amen? Oh, to have a life marked by God's stories is a life that refuses the false idols and the demonic powers and says, I will swear allegiance to God and God alone. We were mobile 25 years as a church, setting up and taking down for 25 years. And during those 25 years, Catherine and I and many of us said, oh God, we would love a space. We would love a physical place, a, a physical building. But Lord, do not give it to us unless it's a God story. Do not give us anything except a story to pass on to the generations of Church of the Resurrection that the Lord is God and there is no other. And we ask God, oh Lord, please give us a place. But more than that, Give us a story. And when we discover that this $5 million building 
could be purchased for $400,000. Here on the 65th birthday of Church of Resurrection, we were birthed Palm Sunday, 1954. Today, when we are 65 years old, I celebrate our God story. I celebrate that the only reason this church makes sense, the only reason this beautiful facility makes sense, is that God is the Lord and there is no other. We're almost there. <laughs> We're almost there. So join the story of God. When you join the story of God, you give him your worship. And Isaiah finishes by giving these images of, of, of allegiance given with your mouth, of, of bowing your knee to him. So this week, don't let anybody think that your worship is over the top. Don't let your own mind or someone else's perceived opinion of you keep you from worshiping the Lord with your whole heart, mind, soul, and body. Resurrection, do your work this week, which is what? The work of the people is the work of worship. So you get on your knees when you need to get on your knees. You get quiet when you need to be quiet. You jump up and down when you want to celebrate the reality of God. Raise your hand, some of you, for the first time. Engage your body. Engage your whole person. Give the Lord your worship. How that thief on the cross worshiped our Lord in the Passion reading just read. One still under the thrall of false idols, but the other, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And our Lord says to him, as he says to each of us, who say, Lord, remember me. I'm a sinner. I've been enthralled to false gods. I found my security in other places. Lord, remember me. Hear the words of our Lord, the King of the Jews, the King of the nations. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. For he is the Lord, and there is no other. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.